Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal, Alex Brampernard Rasmussen, Andy Brampernard, and Melissa Bernard. And who are these two hun yucks down there? Say your name. Say your name. Fawn and Sage are here. Five and two, but about to be three. Because it's the 2000s episode. It's been nine years, I believe. Is that not right, Andy? It's about to be in three months, yeah. Three months and nine years. Oh, in August, that's right. August 12th or something. We shall be back with the 2000s episode. Some really good guests coming up. You know, we'll be right back with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, it's quiz time. Ooh, I love quiz time. Let me guess. Breck called and they want their diploma back. Easy. I earned that fair and square. In fact, it's right. Ah, well, look what you made me do. Sorry. So what's the question? So you've heard about the new car inventory shortages, right? Yeah, you've mentioned it about a million times. Guess how many 2021 Rogues we have in stock at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan? Mm, seven. Close. The actual number is 209. A lot of Nissan dealers are really low, but we're in good shape for the next month or so. So there's no reason to hurry? That's not great messaging. How about don't dawdle? There's a word you don't hear often there, Monty Burns. Yeah, funny. Anyway, the all-new 2021 Rogue is a great vehicle, and we're lucky enough to have a bunch. We've got great leases, and they all come with Walzer Care, which is a 10-year warranty for free. But wait, there's more. Read this. Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan want your trade and will give you an extra $1,000. That's pretty cool. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or WalzerNissan.com for details. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, president at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company. As a community bank based right here in the Twin Cities, we believe in taking the time to get to know our customers and their businesses. And part of that is hiring and cultivating a team of experienced lenders when your business banks with us, you're not training in a new, inexperienced banker. In fact, our bankers have worked with many of the same customers for years, earning their trust. We get to know you and your business, and you get to know and rely upon us. When your business is looking to capitalize on an opportunity or solve a problem, we'll be here to help you. Tom here. I know Brad and Mike, and I trust that with my banking, they've personally delivered on everything they've just said. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Have you ever seen a well, look at mine. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. 
kind of just kind of glancing at the news just in case some big story is breaking. I'm not going to cover a lot of news today, but I just took a gander to see if anything big was breaking. Basically, all it is that a lot of big businessmen are under investigation. Uh, Biden's son is under investigation. Now so is Biden because he lied. He said he never met with his partners when he actually had dinner with them. Donald Trump is under investigation. Is there anybody who's not under investigation? I don't think I am. There's one person who's not under investigation. Don Shelby. But he should be. He should be, yes. He should be under investigation, I don't think. For the crimes against nature, crimes against manhood. What Hello, do you think? Don. Hello, how are you? What do you want Happy to... Happy 2000. Thank you, thank you very much. Where are you? I'm in my office. You don't have an office. Why would you have an office? <laughs> what a complete waste of revenue. That's all I have to say. Don, i got to ask you a question. It's very, very nice of you to be here. In any case, you're obviously a very, very big part of this show. No doubt about that. But I want to ask you a question. Sure. Because I really feel bad because I, I uh, over the years, I've, you know, working for Hubbard and, you know, Ron Majors was there and then got to sure. be friends with Paul Majors, watch him. You and I got to be very good friends. I watched you and Mark Rosen, of course, on Channel 4, Frank Vassalero. Is local news going to just disappear? Because streaming services, they have it, but is it? I've been told that nobody's watching the news anymore. That's terrible. People are not watching the news, Tom, at the time that uh, it is on the air. Uh, so what is probably going to go away is the uh, noon and the four and the five and the six and the ten. Mm. Those are going to go away. Appointment television is going to go away. Yep. Everywhere. yep. Uh, nobody is watching. No one has the time to watch. No one has the uh, inclination to watch anything when they have to be there, when they have to yeah. tune in at a certain time, because uh, we have these devices where we can get this information at any time we want to, and uh, that's when we want to. So that's why the uh, things like CNN and Fox and MSNBC have been so valuable for news viewers, is that any time during the day they have uh, a 30 minutes or so, they can sit down and get what's happening right, today. Right. And so waiting for the local news is uh, to be someplace in front of a television set at a certain time. So unless they step up their uh, the frequency of their broadcast in terms of allowing social media to take to take over the internet to take over mm -hmm. so that these shows are available at any time that people choose to watch which they've done a, a fairly good job of they're even though they're in the quote media uh, they're not as skilled uh, at trying to find audiences as letting audiences find them so they need to learn that uh, trick yep. but the other side of the coin is this uh, among, uh, if you look at the research surveys on uh, journalism, the, about seventy percent distrust of the of Americans distrust journalists and distrust journalism. But when asked specifically, and it's very much like uh, politics, they like their own congressman, but they hate Congress. <laughs> right, they, yeah, exactly. they they like they like their people 
whether they're watching any of the channels that are available to them, they feel a relationship to them, particularly with the weather people. They feel a closeness with them, and so they'll be very critical of journalism uh, and the way it's practiced in America, I among them. And they will uh, say, though, however, we really like Amelia. We, yeah, yeah. We really trust her. Uh, but we don't trust anybody else. But we really trust Frank, or we really trust uh, any of the other people who are currently on the air at other stations. But here's the problem for a guy like me. Um, it, for me, all started, of course, with Dave Moore. There's no question about that. One of the greats yep. of all time. Uh, I loved Dave Moore. And, and later in life, by the way, I, I think you know this story, but it's a situation where I did get to know Dave and, uh, and because of voiceover, not because of radio or television. Right, because right, right. I met him because of voiceover and all the rest of it. And then when he retired, I was sitting with him over at Cookhouse. Uh, he would be sitting in the lobby both waiting to go to work. And there's mm-hmm. a man I've been watching since I was a little boy, right? Yeah, yeah. And I said... Dave, i got to tell you something. You are the best newsman, and I'm talking national, local, whatever. doesn't matter to me. You're the best newsman I've ever seen, and everybody I judge based on you. And he said to me, you know how much that means to me coming from a man of your stature? And it made me, like, tear up. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? You're Dave Moore, pal. You know, but that's the kind of guy he was. It's the kind of guy you are. Um, You know, the the Majors brothers. does this town realize the talent that they've had come through here? Unlike any other city in America, maybe Chicago is shoulder to shoulder, but Minneapolis-St. Paul has had the best news anchors, men and women, weather people, sports people, that I've seen in any moment. When I moved to New York, Don, I went, these people suck compared to the people we got, <laughs> right? Yes. They're terrible yeah. compared to yeah. you guys. So I'm glad to hear that maybe that somehow we'll figure out that, uh, that you know when I can, I can sit down and I can watch the news when I want to watch the news because you know I I did used to record it but not because of streaming you don't record anything anymore either I mean right. I suppose you right. could I guess yeah. but but I need to see my Don Shelby's and my Pat Miles and my Dave Moore's and uh, you know the, the Frank and Amelia obviously you go down the list of people Chris Eggert's a very good friend of mine I love that guy. Right. So right. hopefully they'll get it all figured out because I do need to know what's going on locally because uh, it's just not like it used to be. It's too bad. As soon as they can figure out the streaming service uh, end of it uh, so that the news is available when people need it. Otherwise, they're going to lose an entire generation yeah, of people they are. because primarily, uh, you know, the blue hairs that were the uh, fans of WCCO in the old days before they started to. Uh, expand their base a little bit the uh they're not so inclined i mean they're more inclined to sit in front of the television set at six o'clock and at ten o'clock but uh younger people haven't they don't want anything of that they just yeah uh, if, if i want news i want when i want news i will get news i won't wait until these times so if you don't adapt to that, you're going to really lose a large section of the audience. And as you know, mm-hmm. the advertisers are most concerned with the younger audience. So they, they love the 18 to 38. And if you have a big chunk of that audience, mm-hmm. so the first, the first people who figure it out locally 
uh, are going to be the overall winners, both financially and in terms of ratings. And then the more ratings you get, the better service you provide. Yeah. Yep. Because you get more money uh, from the advertising dollars, so you're going to hire more reporters, and you're going to be at more locations, and you're going to expand investigations, which, uh, because of the tightness of the market, that has gone away uh, primarily. And you're going to maybe travel overseas, which uh, I did. I mean, I probably spent $10 million of the station's money in just uh, travel and, and investigations. And that money is just not there anymore because there were only three stations to speak of uh, yeah. that really competed for 90% of the advertising revenue. And now there are, what, 450 stations basically that right. is the choice of anyone that they right. can go to and so but that money that came into the pot stayed the same tom and so now you're getting it divided instead of three ways you're getting Ooh. divided 400 ways <laughs> and so that money that money's just not there so you wouldn't take those odds to vegas the only problem i have with that 1838 demo is there's not a whole lot of money there there might be a lot not of anymore people. there aren't not, there's no not money anymore there. So I don't know if you're turning away everybody over the age of 40 and counting on people under the age of 38, you're not going to make any money because there's no money there. Right. And and less money, as the demographers will show you, yeah. that uh, this is probably the first generation in centuries where they don't even have a hope to make as much money as their parents made. Right. It was always the the idea that a younger generation was going to do better than their parents did. But... It's just not happening, and because and there are fewer of them coming up, so they're not making as large a chunk or percentage of the market. But the, you know, the idea that the advertisers had is that if you could hook these young people, really didn't matter that they were young. Right. What mattered is you could imprint Ipana toothpaste on these people, and they would buy it when they were young, and they would buy it when they were old. They would stay with them yep. for the entire thing. If you bought a, a Ford F one fifty. That was the truck you were going to have the rest of your life. That has also changed. There is no doubt about it. Well, I, I really appreciate your take on it because it does make me very, very sad because that was a big thing for me and when, when I was a kid, when I was a young man. And I was very lucky. You know, talking about that make, making uh, as much money or more money than your parents. I was lucky that my dad never worked, so by the time I was like 12, I made more money than he did. So that worked out really well for me. Hey, Ma, look at me. I made more money than Dad ever made. When my when my father died, I went. Uh, I was one of the three kids who was tasked the responsibility of going through paperwork. And in his last year of working, and and he was a member of the country club, but the. I later learned that he didn't pay for that. His company paid for that. Mm -hmm, right. But, I, but everybody considered him kind of a a well-to-do guy. And, but Tom, uh, his last uh, filing, uh, his top earnings uh, was $20,400 a year. Oh, God, yeah. <clears throat> that was a lot of dough, too. That was a lot of money. And, and he had you know, two, uh, two cars every Every yep. three years, he had brand new cars, and and uh, we didn't have a swimming pool or anything, but uh, we had a nice house that we lived in, and he always paid his taxes, and uh, which were strange then, because back then uh, the taxes were he was in the ninety percent right tax tax bracket, yep. so he had to figure out every conceivable way of not avoiding taxes, but trying to figure out all of the different 
rules that had been put in place in the tax code that said if that can't be taxable income if you're donating to a church or if you're right, donating right. over the Red Cross. or So he had to get rid most of his money, and that wasn't a lot of money to get rid of. And so when uh, I got a raise, I wanted to, oh, I want to call uh, Dad and, and tell him, you know, I've got this. Then I went, no, I'm not no, going to. No, Because he's going to ask me how much I'm going, I'm, I'm making and I can't hurt him that way. I can't tell him how much money I'm making. No, I understand that 100%. I just got a text message from a listener, a longtime listener to the podcast, and they want to know, you've been on the air for 12 and a half minutes, and you have not used your favorite podcast word yet. What's the problem? No, I haven't, because I didn't know if it were uh, uh, legal to do that. So. Well, we do have a listener request for it, so... <laughs> oh. Well, then you can go tell that listener to go fuck himself. <laughs> People loved that so much when you came on and wouldn't stop dropping the F-bomb. It was phenomenal. It was the True. greatest. It was a fan favorite. A fan favorite. Don Shelby saying the F-bomb. It was great. Don, it's Doug Sprinthal. And you probably don't remember, but I had a, a guy that uh, worked for the company that was a huge fan of the podcast, huge fan of you. His name was Jack Robinson, and for his birthday, uh, you I said, just say, fuck you, Jack. That's his, that's his ringtone. What? <laughs> it's his ringtone. It's like, hey, big Jack, go fuck yourself. So that's what happens when the phone goes off. It's just awesome. I do remember that. I just talked to Betsy Hodges. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yesterday. Um, there were, she's, she's moved, and she's got some new stuff, and, and she's out in D.C. And, that's what I heard, yeah. And, and so, um, and and we talked about that very thing because you remember when she came on your show. Oh yeah, uh, and and she was treated very nicely, but uh, the f bomb was just flying. <laughs> and you think with the mayor of Minneapolis, and just saying, go fuck yourself. So, <laughs> Whatever works, you know. And, and, well, a lot of people told her to do that anyway and have told me to do that. So hey, we'll get used to it after a while. It works out in the end. You know what's so amazing about that, Don? We, Don and I have talked politics for quite some time because I'm not a Democrat nor a Republican. I just kind of hang around the middle somewhere. But uh, is Don still with us or is that? I think it just lost connection for yeah. a second. Oh, it did for a second. Okay. Yeah, we just lost okay. it. Am I still here? You yeah, are. All good. Can you hear us? Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure you could. But, yeah. uh, you know, all the the Democrats that I've endorsed on the KQ Morning Show on the podcast over the years, not one of them ever called one and then called back and said, hey, thanks for the endorsement. Not one of them. What is that all about? Oh, you know, it might, but instead of being a, in a generalization to a party, it just may be the people. Uh, I'm not fond of politicians. Mm, I understand. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I've spent a lot, a lot of years as an investigative reporter, and uh, I ended up somewhere, uh, sometime, investigating somebody. And that's why I had a particular rule to never be a friend of a politician yeah. until they retired. Uh, I would never associate with them. I'd never, uh, of course, we were not allowed to make any contributions or endorse any candidates right. uh, because who knew you may have to, you know, go out and Matt Gates them later on. Uh, and if you liked them a lot, you might go easy on them. So you had to 
be very careful about that. But uh, I'm sorry that that happens to you. What I think is just bad manners, basically. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. I don't think there's and, any question. And, and it's also this. Uh, when when they were trying to rile me up to run for Congress yeah. uh, years ago, when I was still with you, the – um, I got a call from a member of Congress, and the name's not important, but a member of Congress said, don't run. Um, they're from, they were within um, this delegation, and don't run because you're not suited for it. And I kind of took that as an insult. Absolutely. Uh, because I thought, well, I'm not suited to be what? Diplomatic? I'm not uh, suited to legislate? I'm not suited to come up with it. And he said, no, 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 that's not the point. Uh, I'm a congressperson, and I... Uh, spend one year legislating, and I spend one year spending 40 hours a week on the phone begging people for money. Yeah, yep. That's the and, whole job. And he said, I know you too well. I know that's nothing that you could ever bring yourself to do. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I, and, and that was it. Boom. I just, and I called the uh, DCCC and said, nope, not me. Find somebody else. And they, they, they asked me, and I told everybody to get out of the state. Get out! <laughs> It'd be wonderful. Andy, you have a piece of audio for it? I do. We'd I love something to something that Don recorded uh, before the show. Oh. All right, I'll play it now. <laughs> Next week for me will be 33 years. Really? Back up two weeks to about this mm, March 28th, okay. uh, 1980. And I went on the air drunk. And um, seriously drunk, about a quart of Jack Daniels. Black label. That was your hooch of choice. Yeah. And so I, uh, I was uh, completely sloshed. Nobody, I had never talked to any of the producers. Uh, I hid out. And then I went on the air drunk, and they, they had no idea until they, they saw me. And um, we got oh, 5,000 messages on the, uh, the uh, they had to bring in somebody else to take phone calls it was just you know, one after the other get that drunk off the air he's okay. you know, hu humiliating he's embarrassing but there was one guy who i've never met i would love to meet to this day <laughs> because in 1980 the iranian hostage crisis was at oh, his peak yeah. <clears throat> and that was the lead story it was where nightline came from and this message said <laughs> and i kept that page it said, I appreciate Mr. Shelby explaining the Iranian hostage crisis in the Ayatollah's own tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I wait until I was 64. That is phenomenal. <laughs> That's phenomenal. <laughs> if, if, if that guy is listening today, I want him to call into your show. <laughs> it, would, it was Stan Turner. Yeah, it was probably Stan. Honey. That's a possibility. Uh, you know, I got to mention it because we only got a couple of minutes left, and it's so nice of you to come on here. But I got to mention, at the very beginning of my my career at KQRS, we're a couple of years in, and after about six months, it, it it broke through, and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And when I would get just beside myself, like, what the hell am I going to do next? I would go sit on the roof of Channel Four with Don Shelby, and he'd go. Tom, don't take it that way. Don't worry about it. You were so, I will never, ever forget what you did for me back in those days because I don't know who else I would have talked to about it. I said, Don, you've had phenomenal success. How do you do this? So I learned a lot from you, pal. Well, it was always my pleasure, and your friendship has been a treasure to me. 
and I think about you all the time, and I, I can't express how pleased I am that this has continued for you, that you have been recognized the way you've been recognized. And uh, what I appreciated uh, beyond the fact that you have been so successful is that you have included me uh, in, in your life. Oh, You've said when I need to when I need to hear something when I need to hear the truth. Yep. I'm I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to ask him what's your take on what's been happening around me, and uh, and you've allowed me, which I think is shows great courage, to speak to you factually, to say here's what you have to consider. Yep. Here's uh, what happened, and this is the way you I would handle it if it happened to me. And I, uh, that's a side of you that I think people don't see. I think people uh, think you're uh, sometimes uh, brash and overconfident. I, you're a thoughtful person uh, who takes things seriously, who takes wounds seriously, and you dress those wounds in the smartest way possible, and that is to go to people who love you and uh, let them help. Well, there were a few of you at, at CCO. I just missed Mark Rosen the other day at Profile, went over there and had a meeting and ran into... Uh, Paul Lambert, Meat Sauce, people know him as a not K fan. And, of course, uh, Rosie was coming in a half an hour later, but I had a 3.30 meeting. It was going to be there. I was, couldn't wait to see him, but last time I saw Mark E. was at uh, Frank Vassalero's mother's memorial. Right. And, and he asked yeah. me to go in the other room. He said, "Will you come in the other room. i got to talk to you for a second. I went in the other room, and he said, I really miss you. Gave me a hug and started crying. I will yeah. never forget it, ever, as yeah. long as I live. You guys yeah. are amazing to me because Channel 4, my God. Look, I worked at Hubbard, and they had a great, like I said, they did a nice thing. Tom Ryther, and, you know, we had Ron Majors on there, and, of course, you know, Barry Zavan and all those people. So they were wonderful to work with. But then when I find it, they started going to the CCO newsroom. You people, you and Pat Miles and Mark Rosen, you go down the list. You, you were terrific to me, and when I just didn't know what the hell to do next, I asked Don, and he goes, give up. No, that's not what you said. It was something like that. <laughs> it was something along those lines. But I will never, ever, ever uh, be able to tell people uh, how much I cherish our friendship. And, and I need to have dinner with you one night. So you got to stick around town for a while. Absolutely, Will. And you've brought the conversation full circle. Uh, and this will only take uh, 30 seconds because I know Andy's looking at the clock. But uh, <laughs> uh, you started off with Dave Moore. Yep. It also it also ends with Dave Moore. Yep. Because Dave set the standard. He was the big dude. He was the giant, not only in this community, but he was, he was a giant as you mentioned around the world. But he was the first person to get up when a new kid came in with wet behind the ears that just came from Fargo or Rochester or someplace. He would get up out of his chair and walk over and and introduce himself. Like he had to introduce himself. He would walk over, shake the, the young man or woman's hand and say, my name is Dave Moore. I work here and I'm over at that desk. And if you ever have a problem, uh, come to me. And uh, that kind of humility and the humility that he displayed saying that uh, a man of your stature, hearing this compliment yep. from a man of your stature. Well, that that went down, and when I showed up in the newsroom, I'm this cocky, skinny, tall basketball player dude who, uh, and who was always right <laughs> and always had an opinion about some kind of shit. And then uh, 
And after about six months, I realized that's not, not, that's not the way that it's done here. No. Nope. That, that doesn't work in Dave's house. And so I became more like Dave, and Rosie became more like Dave, and Pat became more like Dave. Yep. And, so, and he never told us to do any of those things. We just saw that kindness, friendliness, cheerfulness was the best way forward. And so uh, as you have recognized and uh, said that, that Dave was the man, he is still the man to me in my heart. No doubt about it. I'll be reaching out soon, pal. Like I said, I got to say, I haven't seen you in, a, in quite a while during the whole COVID, about a couple of yeah, years, yeah. actually, because of COVID. Yeah, it has been bad. We'll tee it up. I will give you a go. Don, thank you so much for being part of this whole deal. A 2000s episode, not on, just a, couple of, a couple of months away from nine years of it, and it's wonderful to start the show off with you. Thank you, sir. My heart's with you, bud. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. See you. Bye-bye. Legendary Don Shelby, one of the greatest news anchors of all time. There's no doubt about that. We will be right back after this break. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. Well, he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop. The My Slippers are designed to wear indoor and outdoor all day long. Made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue and made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you'll want to get some for the whole family, which is what we did. Call 1 800 516 5146 or use promo code TOM, of course. 1 800 516 5146. Use promo code TOM or go to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use promo code TOM. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Call 1 800 516 5146. Use promo code TOM. Dan Chesky is here from Dan's Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fishing ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan's Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan's Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan's Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. There are definitely things to avoid during a Minnesota winter, like licking a flagpole or waiting too long to replace that car battery. But number one on the list is taking a chance on your furnace. Hey, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, reminding you that a furnace clean and tune will improve efficiency, reliability, and peace of mind. Or maybe it's time to take advantage of Sabre's rebates and upgrade to an energy-efficient Bryant system. Don't take chances on your comfort. Visit SabreHeating.com. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I like the way Don Shelby put that. You know, a lot of people think you're, 
overconfident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes with overconfident, which works for me. We are back. Andy, you got a little audio to play for us, do you? I sure do. I'm fresh off the turnip truck in Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, it's 1984. I know Jerry Seinfeld a little bit from the road. I go to the improv uh, just to hang with Jerry. Jerry's introducing me to some other comics. Rodney Dangerfield walks in at the height of his popularity. And, and guys like that could just walk in and do a guest set, however long they wanted. Rodney's were always on the shorter side anyway. But he goes in to do his guest set. And on the way in, he's big hug for Jerry because they know each other from New York. And I go, boy, it'd be great to meet Rodney. And he says, you want to meet Rodney? Sure. On the way out, I'll just introduce you to Rodney. So I go, oh, this is great. So we wait like 15 minutes. Rodney's walking out. Jerry goes, hey, Rodney, wait a second. He's, Rodney's about to get into his limo. We're out on the street. He goes, hey, what do you need, Jerry? And uh, Jerry goes, hey, I want you to meet a, a friend of mine, a young comic, uh, very funny, uh, Jeff Cesario. Jeff, Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney goes, Cesario, huh? Italian, huh? Stick to the tumbling. And he just gets right in the limo and takes off. <laughs> One of the greatest stories of all time, ladies and gentlemen. There's only one way to introduce this man. Uh, Cesario, huh? Italian, huh? Stick to the tumbling. I love that story. I can't. I, I will never get sick of that story, Mr. Cesario. Hey, man, how are you? Magnificent. Are you leaving? Are you? Oh, or to, oh, somebody's just taking the dog out for a walk, and it's raining. That's it, usually what happens when I'm introduced. A few people leave immediately. <laughs> yeah, Cesario's on, huh? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go walk the dog. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, time to let the dog take a poop. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what. We kicked off the the, uh, the show today with Don Shelby. was just on for segment. The second segment, Jeff Cesario's on. Here's another guy. Over the years, God, some of the memories out playing golf, hanging out, having a wonderful yeah. time. One of my favorite Jeff Cesario stories is, I don't know if you were married at the time. I think you were, but you may have still been dating. And as a joke, I picked up Jeff and his wife, or wife-to-be, in the most garish limousine that I could find. <laughs> and she thought I was serious. <laughs> The kind of limo where high school kids go, oh, that's too much. <laughs> Don't get that one. I was okay with the pink, but the gold the gold door handles are too much. It's too I was much. Say, if it didn't have uh, gold spinners or something, then it's... Oh, yeah. It, it can't be too much. Flashing yellow and red and green <laughs> lights and, oh, God, it was, oh, it was yeah. the most garish, well, hideous let, thing. Let me just say this before I forget. Okay. Here's why you're one of the absolute greats of not just broadcasting, but voiceover. You got through that boat inventory commercial without laughing when you said, check out the amazing pontoons. That's why you're the greatest. Right there, the Dan amazing Chester. pontoons. They're amazing pontoons. <laughs> you didn't laugh. That's I am, impressive. I'm amazed by pontoons, mister. I want you to know that was very sincere. <laughs> I'm amazed by pontoons. Plus the fact, Dan Chesky, who owns Dan Southside Marine, looks like my youngest brother, so I can't be mean to him. He, he does. Everybody thinks he's my brother. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's so great. Well, great I would guy. imagine that happens a lot to some extent up there because you have a look. You have an upper Midwest look. Yeah, that's Maybe true. It just come, yeah, 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 it comes on you at some point. It's just inevitable 
after taking the weight of so many winters, <laughs> it just that look sinks into people's faces, and then they go, oh, I, I, "That's one of my relatives over there. I know him." <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I do have to thank you, you and quote unquote your people. Because whether they like it or not, because I grew up a nice Catholic boy over in North Minneapolis, <laughs> the only people I could take shots at, uh, and the cancel culture doesn't get too worried about it, is Italians. They let me just say oh, yeah. whatever I want about Italians. Oh, they don't you can care. say anything you want about Italians. No one's going to get mad. It's kind of weird, actually. Yeah, it's, well, it's because that's their chosen method of communication right. on true. a regular that, basis. Right. Insult. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> They're constantly busting chops. I mean, I remember I used to do a bit on uh, two Italian guys could carry on an entire conversation, all of it questions. Nice steady day, isn't it? Were you talking to me? What's the matter with you today? What's that in your craw? I mean, it'll go for, for 20 questions before somebody has a declarative statement. And that the statement is usually, I don't want to have an argument. That's the statement at the end of the right. 30 question. Exactly. One of my favorites of all time and why I am so fond of that humor anyway. Uh, Johnny Carson one night, he keeps having these people just show up. You know, uh, they, they just walk through the curtain and all of a sudden there's, there's Dean Martin. And then 10 yeah. minutes later, there's Frank Sinatra. And then 10 minutes after that, here comes Don Rickles, and I will never forget this. And, and Don inspired me in many, many different ways. But this one particularly... Sure. Don Rickles comes out on a Tonight Show, which at the time had about 12 to 14 million viewers, a little higher than they get today, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, because there are only three <laughs> channels. But uh, right. Don Rickles comes out and he looks and he goes, oh, look, Frank Sinatra. Oh, this too. Right. Dean Martin. Let me make you guys feel at home. Arabadundi badundi. <laughs> <laughs> he makes up some fake Italian words. <laughs> I just loved That's it. That's so great. It that was just so wonderful. Great. So 2,000. Holy shit. 2,000 episodes, mm-hmm. nine years. You've been on many, many of them. God, I haven't seen... I am getting sick of COVID, just the fact that I, I... We just talked to Don Shelby. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. I haven't seen you in yeah. a couple of years. This is getting old, man. I need to see you guys. Yeah, well, I'm coming into town October, so I'll pop on. Oh, if God, you're still you... doing it. Unless this is your last episode. You're just saying the hell with it. <laughs> Yeah, you could just Closing burn. up shop. Oh, no. <laughs> Cesario ruined it. It was. Ter- Let's just give it up. It'll be wonderful. Where, where are you going to be in October? Are you just coming to town to visit, or are you going to be working? Uh, going to the Laugh Factory. I mean, I'm sorry. The, uh, oh, that's my L.A. club. Uh, Acme, downtown. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. That's where I did my album with Acme. It's great. Yep. Right? I know, yeah, I do know that, that to be a fact. Of course, so I did be... my album in September of 19, and uh, oh. wisely, the oh. album company decided to release it in September of 20. Oh, no. I I couldn't exactly back it up with a tour. (laughs) Yeah, that's a problem. What am I, 79 years old? I finally get an album. They drop it in the middle of COVID. (laughs) That's very, that's terrible. Honest to God. You know. So I'm going to do my uh, album tour now. (laughs) No, I think it's a good idea. You know, I got to, could you tell people, you know, I don't think a lot of people know the great shows that you you either directed or you wrote on. Or I mean, man, you were on some behind the scenes on some of the greatest shows in the history of television. I mean, oh, thanks. Well, the first was Dennis Miller Live. Yep. Uh, and uh, we got we picked up two Emmys for that. And I had never worked behind the camera, 
And now, 30 years later, uh, I, I recognize that probably every two hours, HBO was on the phone to Dennis and his manager at the time, the late, great Brad Gray, saying, hey, the kid's nice. Could we get somebody with some experience in here? But then, then we, won, we won an Emmy, like, for a second episode. So, like that, I became the comedy whisperer. They wanted me to work on every... <laughs> they wanted me to work on, like, Chris Rock. They wanted me to work on Shanley. They wanted me to work on everything. So I did that. Then I went from Dennis Miller Live to the, uh, to, uh, to, uh, the Larry Sanders show. Oh, which was Great just, show. You know, crazy. That was like narrative camp for me. I just drove to the studio every day and learned how to write a script. It was unbelievable. Gary was amazing. And then from there I did, jeez, uh, I did the Oscars with Billy Crystal. I did uh, a ton of Emmys with Gary and... Uh, and uh, Grammy Awards, and then I did, uh, I did uh, later in my career, I worked on uh, Brand X with Russell Brand, who's yep. just a brilliant comic. Then I did uh, Queen Latifah's daytime show, which was a blast. She is a riot. If you ever get a chance to get her on, get her on. She is a musician, so she's got that sense of humor. She'll go blue on you in a heartbeat. She's, she's hilarious. I had a great time on that. And just recently worked on Brian Regan's uh, Netflix thing. So... Yeah, I've had a had an unbelievable run. Can you swear on your yes. podcast? You can. Okay. Yep. Um, so uh, it's been essentially bookended. I'll still work on some stuff. I'm sure I'm, I'm writing some screenplays and things like that. But essentially, I started my TV career with Dennis Miller, where um, uh, you know we would literally have conversations in the writers' room, like. Uh, all right, Jeffro, should this be a motherfucker or a cocksucker? <laughs> and then I end it with Brian Regan, the nicest guy on the planet, who says, I don't think I can say fart. Could I say pass gas? Yeah, he doesn't so, swear. That's, that's absolutely no, true. No, he really does you not. Should, he does on louder milk. Oh, yeah, on louder milk he does. Yeah, that's true. On louder milk yeah, he does. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Boy, he's, he is so much fun. Such a great guy, too. That's what I hear. I hear. Uh, Very tough. We're hoping to bring back that sketch show. But, yeah, so I have run the gamut, man. I have had an absolute blast writing for myself and writing for others. And and one of the keys for me for writing for others is I know what it feels like to be out on that spot in front of that camera. Yeah. And think to myself, I don't have the safety net I need. So my goal was always give my performer everything he needs and uh and then let him shoot for the stars let him go off let him let him improvise and then because because that way they know if if it's not going well they got a nice safety net under so i think performers like to work with me for that reason so i had a great time just a blast on every one of those one of the greatest things i've ever seen live we were at the kravis center in west palm beach florida uh, probably about two, 3,000 people in attendance at this thing. It was packed. Uh, he did two shows, and they both sold out. But uh, there's Dennis Miller up on stage just killing it, and some yeah. guy decides to start heckling him. Right? Yeah. And Miller just ignores him and ignores him and ignores him, and the guy just won't stop. So I guess Dennis kind of figured they'd be coming to get the guy and escort him out any minute. So Dennis drops his head, and he goes like this. <sighs> drops his head down and goes, 
I'm sorry, sir, but I'm absolutely incapable of human communication. <laughs> That's right. That's what he says to the guy. They come and then hold he the waits guy. Like, waits two seconds and goes right back in, into his act. It's unbelievable. It's the greatest Eckler comeback I've ever heard. Uh, phenomenal. He, he, seeing him live was a fantastic, fantastic time. He, uh, he's as good as it gets. Very, very good. Yeah, he's absolutely uh, probably the best writer from my generation and I think that's why we connected early in our days in Los Angeles uh, was because we were kind of two sides of the same coin. I was nicer, he was edgier, but we kind of approached jokes the same way. Yep. Yeah, you and did. I'll never forget the night we bonded, if you got time for a little story. We're at a place in the West Valley called uh, the L.A. Cabaret Comedy mm-hmm. Club and uh, this is how long ago it was. We finally get good spirits. It's like 84. It's before he's broken. I just have gotten to town. We're fast friends. We finally get decent spots at this out-of-the-way club. 11.15, I go on. 11.30, he goes on. 11.14, Skip Stevenson walks into the joint. He's huge at the time. Right. Off that stupid show with Byron Allen, whatever the hell that show was. Right. Blasted on coke, right? So, of course, he's a big star. Boom, he gets to go right on stage, and he does an hour and a half. Right? So, oh. 1 a.m., <laughs> he leaves, everybody leaves with him. There's four people left in the oh. The entire time he's on stage, Dennis is in my ear, uh, in, you know, essentially busting balls on Skip Stevenson. And, and it, like, constantly. And it's hilarious. For 90 minutes, I'm howling my ass off. And, and he, it's things like I, I heard that joke with the original cast. <laughs> you know, he's just nailing Skip Stevenson. And then here's how I knew I would love Dennis for the rest of my life. Dennis gets on stage at 1.10 a.m. There's literally three people there. He does every single joke he did in my ear. He does on stage just to show everybody I know what's going on. And it crushed, it crushed me. And I said, boy, this guy's got stones. I, I got I to gotta hang with this guy. Oh, it's very, very... Th- Did he write most of his stuff on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, he did. I thought so. B- back in those days, they didn't have anybody dedicated to Weekend Update. Every, you know, that writing staff constantly has to behave like they're in, they're in Hitler's bunker. I mean, it's crazy survival mode. So everybody's trying to get their sketches on. That's the big thing. So nobody has time to write monologues. Uh, Herb Sargent, uh, who was the veteran at that point in time, would, would throw Dennis some jokes. So Dennis would call me every, or I would call Dennis every now and then. He'd say, listen, I got a joke that's killing on the road, but it's got a shelf life of a week. Why don't you take it and run with it? So I would, I would feed him some jokes, and I think he never forgot that and loved that, and that's one of the reasons he called me when he had a chance to do his own show on HBO. What a great, one of the first times I ever saw him, and I don't know, because I, I was never really that big a Saturday Night Live watcher. At the beginning I was, and then when Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest were on, I watched it then too. But one of the yeah. first times I ever saw him on Weekend Update, he came on and said, it's been revealed, ladies and gentlemen, the city of New York, and New York, New York, New York State. The city of New York now has a white population of only 49%, so I'd like to announce... I'm sick and tired of getting hassled by the man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. It was a great joke. But you on stage, I also remember, and unfortunately, uh, 
Mr. Meany's no longer with us, but I saw you and he on stage at the old Guthrie in the round. It was yeah. the last thing I ever saw at that theater. So it was a very, very special night for me. That was a fab. Boy, working with Kevin Meany was, yep. uh, it, it's just so much fun. Every second is fun. <laughs> He took nothing seriously. Oh, God, no. <laughs> and uh, so to work with him wasn't work, you know. It was so much fun, and I'll just never, ever forget what a superhuman being was. And plus, just, he could, I just loved the song. I, I still sing it. I sing it in his honor sometimes on gigs. I don't care, I don't care. <laughs> That's a great My song. My jokes don't go over, I don't care. <laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom. Bing, bing, bing. Pow, 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 pow. I don't care. Key change, I don't care. <laughs> he would announce the key change. That killed me. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, absolutely. He, uh, the first time I ever met him, he comes in the studio, sits down. Is this, the K- this is a KQRS years ago. Sits down, looks at me, goes, I got some advice for you. Get that puss off your face. Yeah. <laughs> apparently Wipe that puss off your face. Wipe that puss off your face. <laughs> <laughs> apparently I had a crabby look or something. I don't know. But, you know, so many great times, like I said, mentioning you and I are on the golf course and we're just laughing like lunatics. Hit You hit the ball, you go play golf. But, man, I used to oh, well, I remember love... the one round I played out at Spring Hill, I think it was. Yep. Uh, I, had, I think it was early in the year... So I had come zero prep. I had nothing. And he said, you want to go golfing? I went, sure. So I get to the place. Uh, you know, I might as well be a Hasidic Jew at that point. I might as well have a black hat on, curly diaper. I have nothing for golf. <laughs> you walk me into the clubhouse. It's like one of those fast changes in an old 90s movie. I come out looking like I'm a member in Caddyshack. I got, on, I got spikes. I got a little hat. I'm all set to golf. I'm set with a $1,000 set of clubs. It was so much fun. And then I, that was the yeah, that was the round I had to leave at, like, the 14th hole because I had to go catch a flight. I remember, yeah. And uh, and I almost hit a hole-in-one on the last hole. And then literally I tap in a two-foot putt, and I've never been able to say this before in my life until then. Got to go, guys. Got to <laughs> go. There's my birdie. Got to go because I just birdied. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget it. Absolutely. And I also remember going into the old KQ and doing shows and just feeling so good. You were so key to comedy early on in Minneapolis because you loved good comedy, you loved good comics. You were in a position, I have no idea what was going on from a business standpoint, but I just know this, you pushed to get comics on and not just the big names who were coming through town. You pushed hard to get Louie on because you knew, A, he'd kill, mm-hmm. and B, make the show look good, C, make the radio station look good. But but I know, I know now after 35 years behind the camera, that's a heavyweight bout. You never walk into somebody's office and go, hey, I want to do this, and they go, ah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's always <laughs> right. one to the head, a jab, three to the body, round two. It's a Hummel fest. And so to be able to do that, and then that greased the sledge for someone like me to come on. And then when I would go on, I would go, I got to kill. This guy worked his ass off to get local comics on to show everybody they were just as funny as national comics. 
So my hat's off to you for that. I know that was not easy. And then you get that kind of confidence in a show like that. You can go anywhere in the country and do radio because you were not like, uh, all right, we've got four minutes. Uh, give me three tee-ups, <laughs> and then can you do the weather for us? Right, you right. That guy. <laughs> no, I, that was not the way we did it. No, you were the guy who said, okay, we'll get to some of your bits, but I also want you to wing off the top of your head. We're going to do the news. Let's go. So you had to prove yourself on that front, and boy, I, I loved it. I, I loved doing your show. It was the highlight of my week. What's so amazing to me, Jeff, is I didn't know that nobody else put comics on. I just assumed it was such a natural that everybody yeah. would do it, but they didn't. And I, I was like, no. what is wrong with you? Yeah, I know, I know. It reminds me of, um, I was talking to Seinfeld, and he was like, uh, you know, he did the whole nine years of his show. They did it a whole different way from normal sitcoms. He came in out of left field. He came in from late night. As you recall, his pilot was originally for late night. Yep. He said, I don't yep. want to do a two-hour comedy special. I want to split it up into four and a half hours, and I'll do a sitcom with Larry David, and it'll be weird and off the wall. They snuck it in through late night. It gets on. It's a whole new way to do sitcoms, a whole new way to write sitcoms. It becomes the greatest hit sitcom of all time. Yep. And I'm talking to Jerry, and he goes, and right when I left, I thought I'd show them a new way. They just shut the door and went back to the old way. They did. He's absolutely <laughs> right about that. That's how sick the heads are sometimes on that side of the of the business ledger. Yeah, they just they just don't care about the creative. So you got to keep hammering them. You need to get a hold of me when you get into town. Just a few more months. You come in in October. He's going to be at Acme. Jeff Cesario, ladies and gentlemen. I got to see you, man. I haven't seen you in a long time. It, it, yeah, we'll do it for sure. We'll I'm a, like I'm 103. I have a mask surgically implanted in the back of my throat so you don't even see it. Perfect. I'm very, <laughs> very, I'm very happy about that. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. It means a ton to me, as, as does our friendship, man. You're a great friend. Love you, pal. Hey, man, love you, and uh, continued success, and we'll hang soon, brother. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, sir. See ya. We'll take a break. Be back with our two. Catherine has shown up, which is good. Alex's kids good are here. Me. We know that. We know Wrangling that. children. <clears throat> right. Trying to do a show. They're very excited. In between spilling water, smashing chairs, and falling. Over. And falling. <laughs> <laughs> and going to the bathroom. Hell of a first hour. The family is all here. Doug Sprinthal is here. And by the way, you guys can jump in and ask questions anytime you want. It's not like I'm carrying on some long deal here. I, I, saw I don't like deal. Cesario. <laughs> yeah, nah. nice try. Yeah, he what a horrible human being he is. But Sagey, yeah, we, be careful with the lamp out there, please. We start with a couple of big, uh, big names: Don Shelby and Jeff Cesario. Oh, Got a second hour. Don was phenomenal. Yeah. He was the first segment. He Darn. was great. But a couple of greats coming up in second hour too. Mm -hmm. We'll be back right after this.